This service of licensing is by act of the Presbytery of East Belfast. What is the Presbytery of East Belfast? Well, it's 23 congregations in this area of uh, Belfast that constitute together uh, the Presbytery of East Belfast. So out Hollywood direction, we have a couple of congregations there and moving around in a kind of a circle from Hollywood, Dundonald, uh, Grantshire, Castle Ray, down to Ravenhill, then going into Westbourne, Strands, and all the congregations uh, in the middle of that kind of a, a, a loose circle. Uh, these congregations support one another, uh, so we uh, conduct business and provide fellowship and support for one another. And when uh, someone comes to be licensed, uh, this is done by the presbytery, so not the congregation, but the presbytery. So, recognizing the role of the wider church of Jesus Christ and the wider role of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. And so, elders and ministers together come as part of this commission to conduct this service on behalf of the rest of the presbytery. You may wonder, because the moderator, myself, I'm described as the acting moderator, and Ben, who will shortly participate uh, and read a section of the code, is described as the acting clerk. Uh, it's not because we are some uh, potential uh, wannabe thespians. Uh, it's simply that there's another service being conducted this evening just up the road in Bloomfield, and that's an in ordination and installation of elders, and others are conducting that service, and so I and Ben, I and ben are filling in for the moderator and the clerk of presbytery uh, and filling those roles this evening. But we come as a presbytery commission in order to conduct this service of licensing. And so let us constitute the presbytery commission. Let us pray. Almighty God, send your Holy Spirit to constitute us a commission of the Presbytery of East Belfast, a court of the church, and to make us able to fulfill the purpose for which we have met, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with the Father and the Holy Spirit be honor and dominion now and always. Amen. In the name and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sole King and Head of the Church, we are met here as a commission of presbytery to license David Gray as a probationer for the ministerial office. The standards of the Church, including the rule of faith, are stated in chapter 1, paragraphs 10 to 14 of the Code, which I now ask the acting clerk, Ben Walker, to read. So these are the words the church uses to say something of the high value we place on God's word and how over centuries we have come to certain understandings of what is good, right and true, of how we worship together and lead our lives. The word of God, as set forth in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only infallible rule of faith and practice and the supreme standard of the church. It is the privilege, right, and duty of every person to examine the scriptures, and each individual is bound to submit to their authority. Having formed a definite conviction as to what the will of God is upon any subject, it is each person's duty to accept and obey it. 
In exercising this God-given right of private judgment, individual Christians are not to set their reason above the word of God or to refuse light from any quarter. Guided by the Holy Spirit, they are to use their reason to ascertain the divine will as revealed in Scripture and are to refuse to subject conscience to any authority except that of the Word of God. In the words of the Westminster Confession, God alone is Lord of the conscience and has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men which are in anything contrary to his word or beside it in matters of faith and worship. The Presbyterian Church in Ireland, as a witness for Christ, has adopted subordinate standards. In these are found what the church understands the word of God to teach on certain important points of doctrine and worship. These subordinate standards are a testimony for truth and against error and serve as a bond of union for members of the church. The Confession of Faith, as approved by the Church of Scotland in her Act of 1647, and the larger and shorter catechisms prepared by the Westminster Assembly of Divines are the subordinate standards of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Accepting these subordinate standards, the Church holds that civil rulers must be obedient to Christ in their own area of authority. Yet they ought not to attempt in any way to constrain any person's religious beliefs or intrude upon their rights of conscience. The church alone has the right to interpret and explain her standards under the guidance of the Spirit of God. Dave, so far as you know your own heart, have you been induced to seek the office of the ministry from love to God and from a sincere desire to win souls to Christ and to promote God's glory? I have. Do you believe the Word of God is set forth in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you accept the Westminster Confession of Faith as described in the statement from the code read by the acting clerk to be founded on and agreeable to the word of God? As such, do you acknowledge it as the confession of your faith? And do you accept the catechisms compiled by the Assembly of Divines at Westminster and received as the catechisms of this church? I do. Are you resolved through God's grace firmly and constantly to adhere to the fundamental doctrines of the faith set forth in the said confession and catechisms and to teach and defend them to the utmost of your power against all error. I am. Do you believe the Presbyterian form of church government to be founded on and agreeable to the word of God? Do you promise to adhere to and support it and to yield submission in the Lord? To the courts of this church. I do. In token of the affirmations you have made, I invite you to subscribe in the Minute Book of Presbytery, the General Assembly's formula, namely, I believe the Westminster Confession of Faith, as described in the Code, paragraphs 12 to 14, 
to be founded on and agreeable to the Word of God, and as such I subscribe it as the confession of my faith. In the name and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King and Head of the Church, we, the Presbytery of East Belfast, do hereby license you, David Gray, to preach the gospel publicly as a probationer for the ministerial office. Would the congregation please stand as we join in prayer for David. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the church of Jesus Christ and for calling us to participate in the life of the family of faith. We thank you for your covenant promises, your faithfulness in fulfilling them. And we thank you for all the good influences upon us from before we were even aware of them, influences for Jesus. We thank you for family, friends, the examples of others, those who modeled the life of discipleship for us. And we praise you for the guidance and gifting of your Holy Spirit. Help us to continue to follow you wherever you may lead us. We rejoice in your calling of Dave to servant leadership within the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. And as he continues his journey, of service. Bless him richly as he dedicates himself afresh to Jesus and to the growth of the church and the extension of Christ's kingdom. So we pray now, Almighty God, that you would fill Dave with your Holy Spirit so that he is enabled as a licentiate to preach with passion and insight to pastor with compassion and sensitivity, and to prepare the people of God for works of service with diligence and discernment. Through your grace, enable him to love the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love his neighbor as himself. And may he grow in wisdom and in love. May he guide and care for your people and be an influence on others, as much by who he is as by what he says. May those whom he encounters be brought closer to Jesus and be strengthened by your love. Bless Dave's family circle and fulfill your purposes and plans in all that they would do, particularly we Pray for his wife, Jane, his children, Elliot and Amelie. Bless them, protect them, guide and strengthen them. And we commend to you the members and leaders of the congregations of Kirkpatrick Memorial 
and West Church Bangor in their ongoing ministry and mission. And all our prayers we offer in the name of the Lord. Amen. We join in singing the ironic blessing. Please be seated. Folks, let me add my word. Please take a seat. Um, let me just take a moment to thank the Commission of the East Belfast Presbytery for coming and joining with us here this evening uh, for licensing Dave. That's a big responsibility uh, you folks have taken on uh, to have your names to that. Um, Dave, Claire and I were talking about you this week, and we reckoned that we have known you for around about um, 25 years. Both of us think it was somewhere in our late teens that we first encountered uh, a Dave Gray leading at Ballyhome Schism. Uh, I remember you made quite an impression there. Um, my younger sister would say you made a, a big impression on her at the time. And you've been making a, a big impression on many lives ever since. It's been lovely for, for us, for Claire and I, to journey with you and Jane and Elliot and Amelie these uh, last few years since you've been worshipping here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. So we've spent time together in your home, in our home, walking along Crawford's Burn Beach, meeting up with mutual friends from Scotland, um, even connecting one time on holiday in France. So we, we'll have rich memories uh, of you folks wherever uh, God is going to take you uh, in, in the future. And tonight it's my privilege to say a few words um, just at this important moment along the way. So thanks for inviting me to do that. Dave, you've been called uh, to be an ordained minister of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. You and Jane together have sensed that calling, uh, this sphere of service. Uh, you've already been pursuing it for a number of years now in, in the training, the learning phase at Union College, now the on-the-job training at Bangor West. And in the not-too-distant future, some congregation will call you to come and to be their minister. I want to think with you for, an eve, for a moment this evening about another person who heard God's call, and, and it's Jonah. So we read from Jonah chapter 1. We've been looking at Jonah here in Kirkpatrick Memorial. We just finished a series on Jonah this morning. Uh, for, for those Kirkpatrick members who think I've just gone through and cut and pasted out of the last uh, five Sunday morning services, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, what I was trying to do was to preach Jonah for our congregation. This evening I want to preach Jonah for Dave Gray and for myself. And it's going to sound a little bit different. Jonah, or Dave. <laughs> um, Dave, I want, I want us to think together about Jonah, this book, this short book of four chapters. If anybody wants to flick it open, by the way, just to, I'll be sort of flying through it. It's page 927 
in the Bible there in the pew. Uh, I want to flag up three things, one warning and three invitations. For you and I, the warning, let's not run from God. And the invitation, the three invitations, let's jump ship, let's pray, and let's keep growing in God's grace. So that warning, to begin with that, let's not run from God. Jonah is the archetypal runner from God. Nobody probably in the whole of Scripture is better known. So God sends him to Nineveh. If you look that up in your Google map, it'll tell you that it's about 900 kilometers northeast of uh, Israel, uh, of Jerusalem. So he's invited to go 900 kilometers northeast, and we discover that instead he goes to a, a seaport and finds the first boat heading west and heads off for Tarshish. Now, that's not really us, Dave, is it? Because we have obeyed the call. We're, we get to say that uh, on a night like this. Surely we're not running from God. How could we be? We're working in a church. We're working full time for God. Well, Jonah's the same. Uh, Jonah's one of Israel's prophets. Who knows? Might have been licensed at some point along the way. He was a guy who preached God's word and people listened. So he wasn't always a runner away from God. There's more to Jonah than that. He started out as as a guy obedient to God. And whenever we start out in this life of ministry, this working in the church, we can easily imagine that it's going to be an easy place to live well for God. We've, We've escaped from our secular workplace with all its confusions and its frustrations. We're in an environment... Now we're, we're just naturally going to grow and flourish in God. No chance. Working in the church, I've come to see, is as dangerous an environment and possibly more dangerous than most for anyone who wants to grow in true obedience and faithfulness. The reason why it's so dangerous is because there's so much external godliness that we get to be involved in. Eugene Peterson warns, if we speak the word of God long enough and often enough, it doesn't take a great leap of the imagination to take up the pose of the God who is speaking the word. If I do that, if I somehow start to imagine myself in God's place, and if the people in the congregation are naive enough and happy enough to let me away with it, then I'm in an awful, vicious circle. Because I'll start to stay away from the true presence of God because it's the one place where I'll be exposed for the fraud that I am. Dave, for any number of reasons, I think ministers in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland and a great many other denominations and non-denominations are running away from God. Tarshish, lives on. Nineveh is a hard place to go to with a hard message to share, but Tarshish isn't. It's something else. It's exotic. It's adventure. Uh, We read about it in, for example, 1 Kings 10. Solomon's fleet returned every three years from Tarshish, laden with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and baboons. Tarshish, distant paradise. Shangri-La, or Willow Creek, I think we used to call it. 
Dave, you're going to be ministering along with me in probably the most seductive era that any church leader has ever ministered in before. The church marketing machine will invite you, if not every week, then certainly every month, to some new model, some new approach, some new gimmick to improve the consumer experience that we'll offer in the churches where we lead. You'll be told what a wonderful congregation you could lead if only you'd buy resource X, run program Y, or hire in charismatic Z onto your church staff team. It's a lie. It's all a lie. The marketing is supposed to make you feel dissatisfied with the church you're leading so that you'll buy the resources, run the program, and hire the consultant. The truth is we should never, ever glamorize church. It's a place full of sinners. Look at us tonight. Good load of sinners in the house tonight. There always is. Every time we gather. A place full of sinners led by sinners like you and me. All we ever do when we lead the church is wait for God's glory to invade us. We don't go running off to Tarshish. I've been the minister here at Kirkpatrick Memorial for nearly 12 years now, Dave, and with, for a variety of reasons, something to do with the church having grown a bit, something to do with the age I am and the stage in ministry. You get invitations from time to time from a larger church to come and to, to see if you're being called to their church. Not very often, but occasionally it's, it's tempting to run with that in my mind for a moment. I find myself thinking, imagine a second honeymoon period. Imagine a congregation who find me and my message new and exciting. Imagine a different age profile, a better suite of halls. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Ah, Tarshish. And usually, after a few moments of indulging that kind of fantasy, a healthy realism kicks in, thank God. And I hear a voice that says, stay where you are. Learn by God's grace to come to terms with your own feelings. Don't run away from them. Learn by God's grace to come to terms with the feelings of these people. Don't run away from them either. Come to see the ordinary and the everyday, these sometimes frustrating places as the place where we can all grow up together and mature in Jesus Christ. Stay and develop into a minister who's finally worthy of his calling. Dave, don't let's run from God. After that warning, very much more quickly, three invitations from the Jonah story. Dave, let's jump over the side. Jonah's on the ship. We read about it there in in chapter 1. He's headed for Tarshish, and eventually he realizes that he's the problem, and he asks the sailors to throw him over the side. We're not going to get that kind of help. We're probably going to have to jump ship 
What do I mean? Well, in his book of memoirs in his life as a pastor, Eugene Peterson talks of a time when he jumped ship. He said that it wasn't, it wasn't like in the Jonah story. It wasn't the captain or the sailors who woke him up. It was his five-year-old daughter. He was sitting at home one Tuesday evening in his living room. She came to him and asked him to read her a book. And he said he couldn't because he had to go to church to a meeting. And it was her reply that woke him up. This is the 38th night in a row that you have not been at home. And that woke him up. And in that moment he realized he hadn't been living out his true calling to be a husband to his wife, to be a father to his children, to be actually a proper pastor to his church. He'd set off for Tarshish been working hard to create some kind of an exotic church thing. He goes on to tell of how he went and he spoke to his elders and he told them, listen, I can't do this anymore. I can't and I won't run a church along these lines. And they asked him, well, if you can't do that, what do you want to do? I just love his response. He said, I want to study God's word long and carefully so that when I stand before you and preach and teach, I'll be accurate. I want to pray slowly and lovingly so that my relationship with God will be inward and honest. And I want to be with you often and leisurely so that we can recognize each other as close companions on the way of the cross and be available for counsel and encouragement to each other. Dave, I was at your graduation a couple of weeks ago. I heard the charge to the students, and I know that what you were asked that evening to focus on was preaching, prayer, and people. I'm sure as you've heard this quote from Peterson, you've seen, actually it's the same. Preaching, praying, and being with the people. Let's, let's prioritize those things. Dave, whenever the, this is going to happen, whenever the prevailing church culture sets its sight on something else, supposedly exotic and exciting, some Tarshish, whenever the ship is heading for Tarshish, let's jump overboard. So Dave, let's not run from God And let's jump ship if the church culture is heading in the wrong direction. A second invitation from the text of the book of Jonah is to prayer. Let's pray as we lead our churches. As you get further involved, Dave, in the work of the church, you'll be surprised at how easy it is not to do this, not to pray. There's very little in the culture, the church culture, that will help you to pray. Take our denomination, for example. Now, I have a good deal to be grateful for in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Whenever our immigrant family arrived here, they were uh, nourished. I've grown in different communities and found friendship and fellowship. And right now, this church is a brilliant place for me to minister and serve. All of that's true, but 
It didn't take me long in ministry to realize that PCI as an institution wasn't going to keep me prayerful. It wasn't going to keep me right. I realized, you see, that the institution is a sinner every bit as much as I am. I can't really look there for answers. The people who licensed me and ordained me were, are good at keeping a, a sort of a structure over me and around me. But they aren't capable of helping me with me. They're interested in my job, but they can't help me with my soul. Even the congregation, they won't probably hold us accountable to God for our caring for our souls. They'll be glad to see that we're busy in our work, that we have led services that are okay, that our preaching's not going off the rails, that we have roughly the right kind of ministries in the church for the emerging age profile, that the staff team are happy and productive, but they probably won't worry too much about whether I'm praying or growing in the Lord. And the worst of it is that I naturally won't pay a whole lot of attention to my soul either. I'll naturally drift from being a person who loves God and talks with God to being a person who talks about God and plays God. That's what's going to happen in my life as a pastor unless I can be a man of prayer. In the Narnia, the final of the Narnia stories, The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis tells of a time at at the end of of the world of Narnia, really. And at one point in the story, the children find themselves in a stable. And, And seen from the outside, it looks really small and dingy, not like a great place at all. But whenever you go through the doors and find yourself inside, you find yourself in this beautiful country. And Lewis tells us about this stable, and he said, its inside is bigger than its outside. Dave, the danger, and I'm going to say I, I know this danger. The danger for those of us involved in church leadership is that the opposite occurs for us, that our outside becomes bigger than our inside. That the public life of ministry, the things that we're invited to do and to be a part of, they keep growing. But meantime, our lives with God shrivel and shrink. Dave, let's tend to the roots. Let's shore up the foundations on which we started. Let's stay close to God and let's pray. If I, I hesitate even to, to share that with you because uh, you and Jane are people who I know are, are people of prayer. All I'm saying this evening is keep doing it. And don't let leadership in the church take that from you. As I prepared to preach Jonah, and particularly as I looked at Jonah's prayer in chapter 2, I noticed that he was praying the Psalms. Chapter 2 is really a, a cover version or a reworking of a number of the Psalms. And I felt quite challenged. I thought, well, if Jonah can pray the Psalms, maybe I could too. So a while ago I started 
uh, praying a psalm each day. I read it, I reflected on what it might mean. I looked for the intersections of it with my own life. And then I prayed it, or some reworking of it, back to the Lord. It's been good, challenging, enriching, transforming. Good thing to do. Dave, whatever we do in ministry, let's make sure that our outsides aren't bigger than our insides. Let's pray. And finally, for this evening, Dave, let's keep growing in God's grace. We finished our studies in Jonah this morning in chapter 4, and we noticed there that Jonah gets angry with God. It's, it's kind of weird uh, that, that way Jonah responds. What we have is Jonah, a Jewish prophet. He's all for God, all for God's grace, so long as it's for him and for his people, the Jews. And we saw this morning that Jonah got angry whenever God extended grace to their enemies, the Assyrians. He's got this kind of shriveled imagination where he thinks God is only the God of his tribe. That's interesting, isn't it? When you're the minister of a Presbyterian church in Ireland. I think there's a pretty big danger of that same dynamic being at play. Dave, you'll know now better than probably at any point in your life because you've just finished your studies. You'll know our roots. You'll know of how John Knox brought Calvin's Reformation first to Scotland and how the early planters and their armies brought the Scottish faith here to Ireland. And whether we like to think of it in these terms or not, our church started out as an ethnically homogenous community. It was church for Ulster Scots. And over the time, we've found a way, I think, to welcome um, a small number of outsiders in, like German Lutherans um, and other unlikely strays and waifs. But our tendency to imagine that God's grace is, is for us and for people like us is something I'm not sure we've entirely outgrown. Dave, I don't need to remind you of the scope of God's grace as you set off in the ministry. Actually, I I was thinking about this. I don't think I've met people more open-hearted than you and Jane hardly in my whole life. I don't need to worry about you guys. You'll, You'll always share God's grace with all. I'm not worried about any narrowness of scope in your hearts and lives. But don't let the church take it from you. Whatever congregation you lead, do not allow them to make it a a thing about Presbyterians. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for Presbyterians, but for people from all traditions and none. It's not just for Ulster Scots Protestants, but it's for all the people of this island. It's not just for the middle classes, but people of all classes and none. It's not just for those who are like us, But praise God, it's for people who are entirely different than us. Dave, my hope was that by taking you to something quite tangible like the book of Jonah, 
after you've forgotten all that I say, which will take about 10 minutes and a bit of supper, you'll have God's word before you. And you might remember some of these movements that I've mentioned here. Let's not run from God, but let's jump overboard and pray and keep growing in God's grace. God bless you, Jane, Elliot and Emily, the whole team, as you go and serve first in Bangor and then who knows where he takes you. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father God, we're here this evening in church. Some of us have put our nice clothes on. The presbytery are here. This is us at our best. And yet still, Lord, we recognize a Jonah spirit in us. We're happy as long as life is comfortable for us and for our tribe. We easily forget and turn away from lost people who need you. Lord, would you forgive us? Forgive us all. And Lord, we pray for for Dave. We pray that that passion that he has for you and your glory won't diminish as he comes into full-time church work. We pray rather that he and Jane together would find ways to stay close to you to nurture their own souls in their walk with you and that rather they would grow the deeper and the richer the longer they serve you in your church. We pray, Lord, for great, great glory to come to Jesus' name because of the Gray family serving in your church. Be with them, we pray. Amen.